T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Coach on Fire Radio. Say I'm when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. And you say I'm hell when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I'm yours. And I believe, oh, I believe what you Thank you so much for joining us for our second episode of Bellies, Babies, and Birth. Um, I'm really excited about getting this podcast going some more, and we had a great response to our first show um, with Laura Correa, and uh, I'm very excited to have Kara Rick on today, and I just wanted to welcome you, and thank you for taking the time to join me and I know we have a, both have a heart for working with women here in the Valley and just helping moms and creating community and making sure they have more of the support that they need. So thank you so much for joining us. And why don't you just start us off, Kara, by telling us a little bit more about all your background. And I know you're a mom and just can't wait to get to know you some more. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be here and share about what I do and what um, my love for moms and babies. Um, I am a family nurse practitioner, I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant, and I'm also a um, certified orofacial myology specialist. Um, so I have a lot of different things that I do. Um, I'm also a mom to three children, and I have a wonderful husband, and my practice is Arizona Breastfeeding Medicine and Wellness um, here in the Valley, and we work to help moms and babies um, breastfeed, but the other thing that I work on and I have a passion for is tongue ties and helping to treat birth through older adults. I've, the oldest I've had is a 70-year-old grandma come in and treat them for tongue ties to help them to lead better lives. That's awesome. You definitely wear a lot of hats. Um, tell us a little bit more about why you pursued the specialty with the, most people are going to be like the certified oro wadi wadi. So tell us a little bit more about what that means and why that was important to you. So I started out um, where practice mostly treats moms and babies, but as a family nurse practitioner, I can treat infant to, to grave as what, what they tell us, you know, out of the womb and all the way to the end of life. And with tongue ties, learning more and more as I did, tongue ties don't just affect babies. They affect infants all the way through toddlers, children, teenagers, adults. And as I learned more, I thought, look, we need to do a better job of serving this part of the population if we are going to treat these tongue ties because tongue tie is also about muscle memory and movement. And so if we start to think about releasing tongue ties in children and older adults, we need to start changing how those muscles are working to get the optimal result for a tongue tie release or else the tongue tie just reattaches. And then we have to do another procedure and another procedure, and that's not ideal. And so I 
without certification to become an oral facial myologist to work with the muscles in the mouth, the neck, the shoulders, to get that tongue working differently so I can give exercises and treatment pre-release so that once we go ahead and move forward with a tongue tie release, we can get much better results, much less reattachment and improvement and these issues that are affecting are leading to the tongue tie. So like PMJ issues, sleep apnea, breathing, airway, that all come from these muscles being locked up. Absolutely, that's so critical. And tell us a little bit about the staff that you have there, because I know obviously you can't do all of the things. So I know you're training some other people and you've got help with lactation consultants. Yes, here at Arizona Breastfeeding Medicine Wellness, we, you know, we started out to just myself and my colleague Marissa, who were the two IBCLCs in the practice. And as we have grown, we have brought on other IBCLCs. So I have Lena Bublis here, who's a registered nurse IBCLC. I have Hallie Kim, who's also a registered nurse IBCLC. I have Carrie Christie, who's an IBCLC. Um, Renee Moore and Carol Kidd are kind of come and help fill in. They're also relationship league leaders and IBCLCs who are here to help us. And I also have um, Nina Moreno is a speech language pathologist that comes here a couple times a week to help with adults and older patients um, when we are talking about tongue tie issues, speech issues, um, oral myofunctional issues. Okay. Sorry, I think our connection got weird for a second. I apologize. You, can you still hear me? I can still hear you. Can okay, you perfect. Me? Great. Well, that's, I mean, I know that you guys, you recently moved as well. So congrats on your new space. And um, we'll have all of your information and website and all of that stuff linked with the show notes and linked with everything that goes out. So people have a way to get in touch with you also. But um, I definitely want to um, talk a little bit more. So the parts where we overlap um, are with mostly the moms and the babies. Um, and I know you're really big on wanting to create a team of people to support mom, to support the babies, support whoever, I mean, whoever's ultimately needing the releases. But right now, mostly that's moms and babies with us and the way things are overlapping. What do you think is probably the ideal situation for not just the optimal outcomes, obviously that's critical, like you're just discussing not reattaching and making sure that things progress, but what do you feel is probably the ideal team that a family should really have to get the support that they need and to get the care that they need for those outcomes? Yeah, so I, I tell all of our families that come to our door that this is a team effort. This is not just about my tongue tie release or the IBCLCs in my office. It is a community approach. It truly takes a village to help and raise a baby and for breastfeeding to go well. And so for our, our team, I mean, it takes a really good release provider, somebody who understands the connection between structure and function because we need to know why we're doing the release and what we're looking for in the release before we actually release the tissue. We need a good IBCLC who understands feeding, who understands tongue ties, who understands the you know, optimal change that we're looking for in these babies to manage mom's milk supply, to work as the diet together. This is a team approach. 
And then we need a really good body worker. So a body worker who understands the function of the muscles, who understands releasing the tension, where we want the mandible to sit, how we want the occiput to feel, the atlas, the trapezius, the masseter, the pterygoids, all of those things play this huge role that I can do the best release in the world. And if we don't change how those muscles are functioning, it's gonna go all back to the way it was. And so each of us, I say each of us has a very important role. No one of us is any more important than the other one. And it really is all of us coming together to help these moms, to help these babies, to get the very best outcome that we can for them. I completely agree. And I love the team approach. I love tag teaming with different providers and valleys, even other chiropractors and other body workers, because we don't necessarily all take care of all of the aspects. And I know you talk a lot about this too, um, not just with the facial structure, but it goes so beyond the breastfeeding, you know, the screaming in the car seat, the gassiness, the digestive issues, the head control or lack of the tone and all the different pieces that fit into it. And I think it's so stressful sometimes for the parents to put that together and to get the information and it's so overwhelming. And so I just have found the families when we've got that team for them, they can just take in the information more, they're hearing it from multiple areas, things can sink in, they feel supported. And I just um, love the way that part of our community is growing in the Valley and, and really doing a much better job working together so that parents have that whole team in place. So thank you for your part in that yeah. and the way you've emphasized that team need. Um, nationally, we are going to, it's not just us and we have amazing people in the Valley that are working together, but it's also letting other providers know that this is a team approach, that no one mom is going to get the best help from one person because we all have our specialty. I am really good at releasing tongue ties. I am pretty good at breastfeeding, but you are fantastic at body work and helping these babies to align and bringing them closer to their mother and helping with that relationship as well. And there, you know, everyone plays an important role and no one person can do it all. You just no. can't. And so it's, you know, it's also realizing that, you know, we need to encourage this community approach, not just, you know, for now, but for lifelong, you know, that we are building, you're also building your community of people that you're going to connect with as your child gets older and as you meet more moms and more family members that this is ongoing. It's not just a small moment in time. This is forever. Absolutely. And I think it also takes some of the stress and pressure off when they have that team in place, because as you well know, it's often genetic and there's often these aha moments. They might have this one critical issue with this particular baby, but then they go, wait, I think actually his sister and oh, you know what, my husband. And then, you know, next thing you know, they've talked to grandma and she's like, well, yeah, I was lip and tongue tied. And, you know, it, then they've got that support in place. They know what to do. I know a lot of the tools I give them for waking up the tongue and the mouth and everything can, the whole family can use even before they get the releases, like you're saying that before and after. So the body's prepared. Yeah. But it's, it's like I said, it's, and it goes through families. So, you know, yes, maybe you're in my office because your baby is tongue tied or sometimes you're in my office because you're tongue tied and you start to say like putting these pieces together and like, wow, this is more to this puzzle than what you could even begin to under, you know, it's not just a base layer, it's building and building and building. Yeah. What would you say is probably one of the biggest myths about breastfeeding? That it's 
that breastfeeding is easy. <laughs> I think we as a culture perpetuate this idea that this baby is born and gonna go right to the breast and it's, it's gonna be magical. And the reality is, is that more often than not, it is not easy. That it takes work, it takes effort. It's realizing that this is a two person process. This is a baby and a mom and that these two people have to come together to form this relationship. And this relationship takes nurturing and it takes time. And sometimes the two parties don't always agree or there's two things that aren't matching correctly and that, you know, it, it takes work. I agree. And I feel like I'm constantly saying there's nothing like parenting to make you start second guessing every decision you ever make. And I think women, we definitely need to stop that myth because women are so hard on themselves and we second guess all those decisions and everything that we are as a mother. And it just adds another layer to that. Are we enough issue and to perpetuate the idea that breastfeeding just happens. It's just this natural thing. Um, I think just adds a really damaging piece when it's not going well. And it isn't always ties and it isn't even always anything wrong with either one. It's just like you said, it takes work and it's a relationship. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I definitely see that as very harmful to moms and babies when they feel like they're not doing it right. I think it's harmful too that they're given tons of misinformation. Like so oftentimes we say, look, you know, it's this or it's this or it's this. And, or we go to the pediatrician and some of us say, oh, look at the tongue tie. And the pediatrician says, no way, tongue ties are bad, tongue ties are a joke. And these poor moms are, you know, they're given so much information or misinformation and they're made to feel like they aren't making the right decision. That the best thing I feel like I can do for them is to empower them to make the very best decision for themselves and for their baby. That this is their family, this is their baby, this is their relationship, it is not up to me, it is not up to you, it's not up to the pediatrician, it's not up to the OBGYN, it's up to them to decide what's going to be the very best for them and what their goals are, it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. And so it's bringing them together to trust themselves for them to take care of themselves and to follow their gut because you have this baby forever this is part of your life forever and it's your job to guide them to help them to help them to make these decisions for the rest of their life okay so we both have a major passion for empowering women and for getting more information and resources out there about all of these things and for helping them to learn how to trust their gut. So maybe it would be great if we could talk a little bit about what things could be signs to them to know when to get help. Because I hear that a lot, even with the pelvic physical therapy I do. I had a mom today tell me, well, I'm not, I have this and I have this, but I don't know if I really need to come in. And so what are some things we could share with women about baby and breastfeeding so they might know when to come see us or when to get some help? So I, I, the first thing is, is that breastfeeding should not hurt. Ah, should not I was hoping you would say that. Not be discomfort. You should not be curling your toes, cringing, crying when you're trying to feed your baby. There's something clearly wrong in that scenario. Um, beyond that, you know, how is your baby acting? Is your baby always miserable? And you go to the pediatrician and they say like, oh, your baby has colic. I say to parents, colic is a diagnosis of exclusion. 
and you are not sad for no reason at all. If you were feeling bad and someone's like, oh, that's just how you're supposed to feel, that you would say, no, that I feel bad for a reason. There is something wrong. If your baby is showing signs that they're sad, that they're upset, there's something wrong. And so you have to troubleshoot and see through and babies can't talk to us and say, hey, my tummy hurts or hey, I have a headache or hey, my neck hurts. And so you have to find somebody who can touch, who can feel, who can look, who can listen to say, oh my gosh, look, you have a little prick in your neck or oh my gosh, you're not using your jaw properly or you're swallowing so much air when you're swallowing and that's why you're spinning up all this food and you don't want to keep eating. And so it's, it's a matter of saying like, okay, something is not right here. I'm going to find somebody to help me with and not brushing off symptoms, brushing off symptoms, but knowing that there is an answer to the problems that you're having. It's just finding the people to help you find those answers and troubleshoot for you till you find an answer that you feel is legitimate and works for you. Absolutely. And I think one other unfortunate side effect I hear a lot about from the moms I work with, um, when they're told that baby might be colicky or that baby's got gas, they immediately start changing their diet. And now they're making themselves even crazier, trying to cut out dairy and kind of, and which might be healthy choices. It, you know, might be a, might be a good solution. But meanwhile, like you said, baby's back is torqued or they're tight or their bellies are tight or if they do have frenum ties or these other things that's a big part of why when i've been working with moms who are pregnant i'll do a session on baby for free in the hopes of catching these things sooner and giving some support and helping baby work out kinks sooner so that if it is just some structural stuff from birth births rough on them even c-section births can have you know you think oh the baby gets off easy it's not quite that simple and so I totally agree. If we can help troubleshoot some of those initial glitches, then there won't nearly be um, so many disturbances or issues for moms to face. So that's a good checklist. Yeah, they're extra fussy in the car seat, or they absolutely won't tolerate tummy time, or they'll only nurse on one side, or yeah, all of those things. Right, because if we're not addressing it now, we are going to have to dress, address it later. So one of my favorite quotes that I tell families by Elizabeth Campbell is, as the twig is bent, so grows the tree. So if we don't work out that kink in the beginning, guess what? You're going to grow with that kink, grow with that kink, grow with that kink until somebody else can come back and assess it. And sometimes it's harder as this tree is getting bigger to get that kink out of the tree because you're already so tight and so creating all these compensations that you have to learn to undo everything that's been done to bring you back to a balance or to homeostasis because we haven't addressed it in the beginning. Amen. You're definitely um, hitting on some good points with that. And I will definitely say this, once they get teeth, <laughs> so much harder to do all the mouth work and the cranial work. And I had a mom, she's bringing her little three-week-old to me. She said, I, she, I want you to take a look at my 16-month-old. I said, I will absolutely do that. And I will give you a home program because um, he's already had some birth trauma and they don't lay flat, you know, and I, my particular technique, I will not hold children down. I will not hold them and pin them while they scream. Um, I'm not, uh, my philosophy doesn't add that kind of trauma into the equation. So there are lots of fun things you can do during play, but it definitely gets more challenging when they are mobile and when they can move away and, and 
and or fight back and or would be traumatized by what you're doing as opposed to just feeling comfortable about it. So right, right. Yeah, the older, like you said, in all the compensations, your body grows around that pattern and adjusts and does the best it can. Um, but yeah, the earlier, the better for sure. Definitely the older, the better. And I also agree that a lot of what we are trying to do really should not be torture because I mean, at the end, babies create memories, children create memories, adults create memories. And we want there to be a positive approach to, to breastfeeding, to airway, to breathing, to eating, to sleeping, to chewing, but we have to keep all of that in mind as we work with our families to do the best by them. Definitely. Um, you mentioned airway um, and sleep, and those are two big issues that I raise to parents. Again, sometimes it's really hard to connect the dots of the different pieces of the puzzle, like we talked about. Um, what do you look at with airway and sleep that you are could share more from the standpoint of what you educate families on? So the, the root of tongue tie is that we are tied up in our mouth. But if we don't start thinking about treatment, what we are finding about is that tongue in the mouth should be sitting at the roof of the mouth and we should be nasal diaphragmatic breathers. We should be taking big breaths in through our nose, big belly breaths to fill our lungs. And if we are not doing that, then we are taking in breaths through our mouths. We are doing shallow breathing and that leads to symptoms of anxiety, sometimes depression because we are not oxygenating our entire body. So if you are never getting a good breath of oxygen, you're never fully filling your body, you know, circulating the oxygen to your brain, to your heart, to your lungs, you start to become anxious and nervous. And as you're anxious and nervous, you know, you don't feel good. And then when we start thinking about sleep, if your tongue is not sitting where it's supposed to and you're not breathing through your nose, you're breathing through your mouth. And as you breathe through your mouth, your tongue slips, slips, slips into your airway. It starts to occlude your airway so you're getting smaller, smaller, smaller. It's like you're breathing through a straw. And your body will only let you, you know, decrease in oxygen for so long before it gives you a sign to wake up, wake up, or something's going to happen to you. And so in adults, we see things that even children of teeth grinding. You're grinding your teeth because your body's saying, wake up you need to take a breath of oxygen, wake up, you need to get this oxygen flowing through your body. Um, we start to see with symptoms of mouth breathing, we start to see enlarged tonsils because our tonsils are now filtering all of the junk in the air instead of the narices in our nose. And that leads to then a narrowed airway. So now you have two issues instead of one issue that your mouth breathing, your tongue is set low, your tonsils are swollen, and you're not getting any sleep at night, so you're waking up feeling anxious and worried and concerned because nothing has come together correctly. And so then we have to piece through these layers to say, okay, why are you anxious? Why are you not sleeping well? What, you know, what are we seeing in your mouth? What are we seeing with your airway? And how can we fix this so that we can help you to lead a better life? Because if you're not sleeping, high blood pressure, if you're not sleeping, anxiety, you know, heart disease, diabetes, all of these things that we're trying to prevent in older adults, but if we can start to do these assessments early and often, we could potentially help them. Yeah, I talk to families a lot about if you're mouth breathing, you're not in REM sleep. No. And I'm sure no one really wants to hear us go over like the science of the tongue and the palate and the cranial spinal fluid and all of the pumping mechanisms and the anatomy that you and I can geek out on. But 
Um, yeah, I just tell parents, watch for mouth breathing, watch mm -hmm. for during the day or at night. Snoring, that was one of my signs for my son was snoring when he was just a little kid. And we've done the, dealt with the tonsil stuff and the airway stuff and luckily he's doing much better now, but I didn't know that stuff before I was doing this work and before I had okay. kids. Um, speaking of which, how did some of that get on your radar? From You were a nurse practitioner first, right? Or were you an IBCLC first? No, I was, I was actually a school math teacher. Right. And so I, my son was born and I knew when he was born that I wanted to, I had to breastfeed him. Like if there's nothing else I was going to do in my life, I was going to breastfeed my son. And so we started down this path and I was miserable and I refused to give him formula. I refused to give him bottles. It was just my personality. There's nothing wrong. Those things are tools that if needed are necessary, but I could not do that for him. And I produced a lot of milk. And so there were a lot of tears and a lot of crying and a lot of anxiety. And he got to be about six months old and we persevered. And I said, you know what? I do not want another family, another mom to feel as I have felt because I did not have anyone to say like, hey, this is wrong, that's wrong, and we just kept going and going and going. And so I quit my job as a math teacher, and I enrolled in nursing school. And I started nursing school, and I knew when I started in nursing school that I was going to have a breastfeeding clinic. And I didn't know what it looked like, and I didn't know what it would, and I didn't know what I didn't know. So I went through and got, um, became a registered nurse, um, and along the way I learned about the IBCLC credential, and I said, look, I need to learn that too, but I need to be able to do more than just a nurse does. So I got a bachelor's in nursing, and I applied for a doctoral program to become a nurse practitioner, and in my interview, I, they said, why do you want to do this? And I said, I have to open a breastfeeding medicine clinic. I have to do this. And even then, I did not know about Chunkai's, but I was working towards becoming an IBCLC. And as I became an IBCLC, I met a couple colleagues. And they started talking about Chunkai's. And I was like, this, what is this? Like in the med medical community, what I'm learning as a nurse practitioner just makes no sense. And they started listing our symptoms. I'm like, holy smokes, these are all the symptoms that my son has had. He was a horrible breastfeeder. He's five years old now and grinding his teeth at night and he's snoring and he's miserable. And I was like, this, maybe this explains something. And so we went forward and um, had him revise and overnight, like he stopped grinding his teeth. He started sleeping better. And I was like, there has to be more to this. And, um, as I learned more, I, you know, I became an IBCLC, I became a nurse practitioner, and I said, look, this is in my scope of practice. I think I can start correcting these ties. And we were going to, actually, in my office, we were going to correct them with scissors. I went out and bought a pair of scissors and some uh, lidocaine gel. And the person who, who actually invented the laser that I used was actually happened to be in town that, in Phoenix that weekend. He's like, hey, let me come over on a Sunday afternoon and show you how to use my laser. And he came over and I had a couple colleagues that were adults that were tongue-tied. And they were like, hey, you can release me as a patient number one. And I released them with this laser and I thought, holy smokes, like this release is so nicely. This is so clean. This is such a beautiful release. I can't in my good conscience not do this with scissors. So we bought a laser and here we are, and my learning has grown and grown and grown, and I, you know, we're at orofacial myology and taking classes in, you know, infant massage and become a 
diplomat for the Board of Laser Surgery to allow me to do these procedures. And I, every day I learn something new and I learn something more and it, it's never ending. There's never enough, you know, there's so much more to know about this and so much more information coming about that it just blows my mind. Agreed, agreed. I have to admit it was hard for me when I started working with lip and tongue tie babies because of what I'd been through with my son and kind of triggered some things and um, it felt so overwhelming and I knew how critical it was. And so just trying to look at all of that and be able to help these other families um, and move through it. And like you said, just learning more and more all the time. Um, I've really appreciated the things that I've learned and incorporated from Lois Laney. I know you guys have talked and um, just being able to address airway and address the nervous system and all of those pieces. One of the analogies I use with families when the system's under stress, like you were talking about the anxiety and different things with your breath and when you're not sleeping well, um, just to recognize it's like having a foot on the gas and a foot on the brake at the same time and just the system exhaustion and inefficiency and all of that. So I uh, appreciate you bringing that up. What else would you like people to know about nursing or about what you do? And by nursing, I mean breastfeeding. Um, I mean, I, I guess I would like families to know that there's, there's no one right way, that I think there's a misconception, at least for my clinic, that we are breastfeeding medicine. And we 100% support breastfeeding mothers, but um, we want to support families where they are and help them to come together to, to do what they feel is best for their family. And that, you know, we, for me, it's like taking a holistic approach, that we are looking at this bigger picture, that we treat no one person the same way as we treat another, and that our bodies are not machines. We are not computers. We are not robots. We are entities unto our own. And so when you are receiving care or getting care, make sure that you're getting care for you and not getting care for a condition because well, oftentimes one condition presents differently than a different person. And so we especially see that with breastfeeding with ties that some babies have some symptoms and some babies have other symptoms and same with adults. That some adults have some symptoms, some have others. And I'm sure you see that too with, with pelvic Absolutely. It's not just this black and white, this cut and dry sort of thing. There's so many different aspects that we have to consider that it's really, you know, making sure that whoever you're talking to, whoever you're working with is listening to you as a person, your symptoms as a person, and putting those pieces together to help you and not just helping a condition to treat an issue. Definitely. That's a good point. Um, I think that's happening more and more as practices are specializing, but it's so true, you know, women will call me about Kegels or their diastasis recti and I just tell them, you know, you can't, I can't talk about that over the phone without seeing you. And there's a lot of great exercise videos and programs out there, but whether or not that's the right thing for you, you need to get checked to see. And it's so true with babies. Uh, even after the releases I'll see and some have the digestive stuff and some are completely fine and pooping every day and some after they're latching completely fine but they haven't pooped in seven days or some are freaking out in the car seats and some love their car seats and that's where they fall asleep the easiest so lots of variety for sure lots of different ways the body compensates lots of variation in the severity too i'm sure you see that 
Mm -hmm. um, so definitely factors that need to be taken into account individually. Well, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time to come on the show and to talk about these things and try to, again, just keep building community and reaching out and creating resources for women and families and the babies. Where can people connect with you or find out more about your practice? So we have our website, um, it's bfmedaz.com. Um, you can also email me at any time. You can email me at drdrcara at bfmedaz.com. Um, you're always welcome to come to my practice. I say that our practice is an open door. So anybody that is interested in learning, that's wanting to know what we do, I welcome you to come spend time with, a, as long as the patient is willing to spend time seeing me with a patient, to spend time seeing me do a release, to spend time with other practitioners in my clinic because knowledge is power. And so any way, any way I can share this knowledge with you to get one person to look a little bit differently, any knowledge you can share with me. I am completely open because I realize that this is not cut and dry. This is not black and white. And it truly does take a village. And the more people we have in our village, the stronger our community is. That's one of my favorite things about you and why I wanted to make sure you were one of the first guests on the show. Because I knew that that's, from the first time we spoke, I knew that that was a genuine passion and that that's really how you felt in your heart about how you wanted your practice to be and how you wanted to treat families and that that means a lot to me so i appreciate that very much one of my and don't worry everyone if you missed what she said we will have the her phone number her website all the information will be posted when we share out the podcast so don't worry about that and my last question kara for you is one of the things I always say is that I love to help women thrive during and after pregnancy, not just live, not just survive, but to really thrive in life. And I know that's a passion you share. So I'd love for you to just close with one of the things that's your favorite that you get to do on a fairly regular basis where you feel like you help families thrive. For me, I feel like we help families thrive by empowering them to take control of their family, to take control of their health, to know that this is their baby. That, like I said, we are not computers, we are not robots, but you get to choose what's best for your family. You get to choose what's best for your baby. And we are here to help you facilitate that in whatever way we can, that you have to feel like this is yours. And I'm not going to take it away from you and nobody else should take that away from you ever. That you should embrace what you have and always, always listen to your gut. And if somebody is not hearing you, find somebody else who will listen because you know the very best and you will find the answers that you are seeking. And there is, there is an answer out there. It's just finding the people that understand and know because none of us know everything. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and for being so open today. And that is just a great truth to close with. There's nothing like a mama's intuition and parents do know what's best for their family. And I love that we're both helping women trust their gut again. So thanks again for being on Bellies, Babies and Birth. And I look forward to working with you some more in the future. Thank you, Amy. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Having... Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy holidays. I'll talk to you soon. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks so much, Kara.